them ones. Uh. I'm actually having fun too. I'm glad it. I'm glad I'm I came. I, I'm gonna drink a little bit tonight. Oh, fuck you. Okay. Trap, trap money, Benny. This shit got me in my feelings. Gotta be real with it. Yeah. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you'll never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want ya, and I need ya. And I'm down for you always, KB. Do you love me? Are you riding? Say you'll never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want ya, and I need ya. And I'm down for you always. Look the new me. I can't, I don't know how to like rap. Konbanwa, it's Zach Lingli Chi Chi. I'm so popular. And tonight we are discussing some very special youth culture with a guest I've been dying to have on since I started the show. Who are you? Hello, my name is Brielle, uh, also known as It Girl Rena on uh, Twitter and hey, It Girl Fluffy on TikTok. Oh, that's right. I love it. And <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, so I'm currently sitting on a bed in the spare room in my house because my, my boyfriend and I don't have any couches. We just sit on beds for whatever reason. So I'm sitting on a bed <laughs> and I'm talking to you. Hey, love it. And why do you follow me, Brielle? Oh my god, I think I've been following you since, I, I don't want to, I don't think, I'm hoping I'm saying their, their group name correctly, but since uh, I was standing, um, Kayakazaka46, did I say that right? Kayaki? That was, that was pretty good, you pretty got good. it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I think we had similar mutuals at the time, because I was very into, like, 48 and 46, like, G culture at the time, mm-hmm. and I think that's when we became mutuals, and then I just thought that you had a big beautiful brain and loved all of your takes and i've been following you ever since yeah it was like six years ago i think Mm -hmm. it's been it's been a hot minute i really have fond memories of my time on j-pop stan twitter which is where all of my podcasting and internet presence is truly rooted because i mean before j-pop stan twitter i was kind of just tweeting like my little college diary i think my handle was like at zachary ll for a while and then like j-pop came into my life and that was like the first time i like reformed myself into an internet persona and i have a lot of fond memories of the of being a keikizaka stan for a while because it's one of the most like esoteric little girl groups it's impossible to get information on no (laughs) one actually cares (laughs) And I uh, lost basically every single follower who's involved with that. I have, like, a lingering number of, like, five, and you are one of them. I'm very – I'm grateful that I, 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 I'm one of the five. <laughs> well, I think at first, most people kind of just uh, could smell, like, newbie energy on me. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people kind of were just – not sold by me being an idol stand and I honestly was hardly sold myself like I had just started it and then after that when I became you know a based cross dresser or something then mm-hmm. they all found me to be problematic yeah that, I think that's exactly what happened is you became um I guess uh not not as woke as as they are <laughs> so they had to had to leave but I guess that's their loss like I and our entire friendship and time as being like mutuals on Twitter, 
I've never once been like, oh, like this is such a, a bad take that I'm going to stop being this person's friend, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's so crazy that people do that. Like, I so agree. Because it's like we have like little internet friendship memories together. Yeah. And it's like, even if I don't agree with someone or like we're politically misaligned, it's like I am just engaged by people who have fun, interesting personalities and all politics or political awareness are basically subservient to that for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think as long as people aren't being like super, like actually like horribly hateful, then I'm like, whatever, like have fun, you know? speak your truth if I don't agree with that I'll just keep scrolling you know exactly that's the power is like everything can be obliterated which is a little finger scroll and then you never have to think about what you just read again I I think it's beautiful I love it I do too one of the reasons I brought you on today is because we are discussing two essential parts of okay wait what generation are we I think you're a zoomer Right? I think we both, because I'm, I'm 96. Aren't you 96 too? Okay, yeah, we're both 96. I think we're both, like, the last millennials and the first Zoomers. Like, we're right in the middle. Yeah. So, we're discussing two essential parts of Zoomer culture today. Mm-hmm. The first being TikTok and the second being Drake. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this genius pairing I've come up with. And I started watching your TikToks after Ava told me that you mentioned GFOTY in one of them after hearing my I'm So Popular episode. And then I devoured every single TikTok you've ever made. And now I watch them religiously. And it's like the only TikTok I'm followed to. Oh my God, thank you. You're welcome. How did you get into it? <laughs> um, So in, because in, like I live in Ontario, right? So our lockdowns here with like COVID have been a lot more strict than like in the States. So we like literally can't go out like it just literally just last week we were able to start going to like stores and stuff again like for the past few months we've just been having to stay like at home so I quickly reverted back to my like high school like anime phase last year in the first lockdown Mm -hmm. and then the second lockdown is when I started to make TikToks because in the the first one I made a uh, a TikTok account because I would see people post TikToks on Twitter about like My Hero Academia, which is like my my current um, fixation, I guess you can say, when it comes to like like pop like cult pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna make an account, and then I loved all like the cosplayers on TikTok, but I thought some of them are super cringy, you know? <laughs> like they would be like it would be like a like grown adults like in cosplay, like trying to like act like the characters like in public and stuff. I was like, oh, this is so cringy and weird. But, like I can't stop watching it. And then one thing led to another, and then I bought my first cosplay, and I was like, okay, now I'm going to become a TikToker. I'm going to make my own, and I'm going to- Now you have 27,000 followers. Yeah. It's like, it's so crazy. It blew up really fast. Like, my first video reached, like, 10,000 views within, like, the first week, and it was the only thing I had posted. And then I think I reached 1,000 followers in that first week as well. And then it's just kind of like steadily grown ever since. Oh my God. I mean, that's something I've always thought about TikTok is that it seems to be so fast paced. Like everyone I know who like actively like contributes to it with the exception of Ava, poor thing. (laughs) 
like blows up immediately. Like I feel like there's something about the way the algorithm worked that just like makes everyone see everything so quickly. Yeah, definitely. And it, the algorithm on TikTok, like it, it's pretty weird because like it, I don't know, like only, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it will blow up the most random things. So my first, no, I know. my first like cosplay I did was um, Froppy from My Hair Academia, right? Which mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe because that was my first one, that's why it's my most popular. But I can post like a video in a cosplay that isn't Froppy and I, I think it's really good. And it will get like, like, I don't know, like 500 views or something. And then I'll post one in Froppy where I'm doing like five seconds of a TikTok dance and I'm doing the dance really poorly because I can't dance. And it gets like 30,000 views. <laughs> so I'm like what's what's going on here TikTok like why are you only showing this to people the yeah. TikTok algorithm really frightens me because like GFOTY I also just don't understand like something mm-hmm. is critically misaligned in my brain so that I really cannot watch TikTok like I can't even like do the thing that most people do I imagine is like they get home and they sit down somewhere in their house and then they just like scroll on it for like an hour or so but I can't, like, watch it for more than, like, three minutes at a time before something starts, like, not working in my brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. I, I at first, felt that way because my, my little sister, she's, she's, like, seven years younger than me. So she was TikToking way before I was. Like, she, she wasn't – she doesn't make them herself, but she would, like, sit and scroll. And apparently you can scroll so long on TikTok that something will pop up being like, hey, you've been – here for a while maybe go take a walk or maybe go do something (laughs) and she was like that would happen to me all the time but I never had that because I just didn't find anything to be that like appealing until I got to a side of TikTok that had things I was interested in which I think that's like that's what you have to do is you need to search for stuff that you like and then after a while that's all you'll see so my TikTok for you page is just like puppies and then, like, buff, like, gym men and cosplayers. I love that. Okay, that's, I don't, I, I need to start, like, recalibrating my TikTok just for giving me, like, fitness bros. Yeah, yeah, you just have to, you just have to search it up. And then. Because right now, like, what my TikTok gives me is, I think I watched, like, a, a baby video, like, one time, like, three months ago. And now my TikTok is exclusively Japanese babies. And it's. <laughs> Only Japanese babies, and then it's, for some, I watched, like, I swear to God, I watched a single TikTok of this Japanese couple, of this, like, uh, Japanese guy and a Korean girl, and the whole theme of the video is that, like, he makes fun of her language skills, or, like, she gets, like, mad about something, and it's just, they do the same thing every single time, and that's, like, the only thing that my TikTok spits out at me. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, so, what does it mean? I wonder if that's maybe because of like your like your IP address, like maybe because I know it has to do with that for sure. Thinks that you want to see like like heterosexual Japanese couples and babies, which is like kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, like maybe I kind of do like somewhere deep in my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe TikTok is seeing my heart for what it really wants. Maybe. Well, like, maybe. <laughs> I know apparently because it's like Chinese or whatever, it's like watching you and taking all of your information. So maybe it is. So I guess to kind of comment on what TikTok is as art, it started as musically. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I 
never used musically but again my, my little sister did so i i know about it from her and i think the way that musically worked is you would record like short videos kind of like vine but yeah. from what i can remember of seeing of musically's it all the videos were really like um uh choppy like people would have like really like choppy movements and stuff and they would do the speed up and slow down thing where they're like waving their arms around and stopping and they had a lot of effects on them yeah i thought it was so unsettling i thought it was unsettling too yeah it, it like actually like it, it put like it put like a little sense of fear in me when i would see people doing like these weird like choppy movements and stuff and even now like some people cosplayers especially will still use those kind of effects and stuff and I can't scroll fast enough. I'm like, oh my God, this makes me like, <laughs> like my skin's crawling. It's so weird and so like unnatural. But that was like what Musical.ly was, I guess. And then when it became TikTok, I think, well, it's like TikTok, you can like uh, film things for longer. Like they just recently made it so you can make like three minute long TikToks when before mm. it was just a minute. So I think that was like the big differentiator between TikTok and Vine is that you had like up to a minute to make something and film something. And now it's three minutes. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, because Vine was also right out of reach for our generation because I feel like it was quite popular like in late high school, early college, like when it wasn't cool to be like doing stuff like that. So we kind of like surpassed it i made vines i remember and they were very funny and i worked very hard on them uh and then it that that just vanished like i guess twitter just said no more after they bought it and just stopped and then there was like three years where there was nothing and then musically they came out of the ashes with the really unsettling like creepy atonal dance oriented videos Mm -hmm. And I think you can still see a lot of, like, those impulses in TikTok because, like, all of these videos have, like, the sound. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And these are, like, I, I don't know how this, like, works in copyright, but just, like, anything can go into a sound on TikTok? Yes, until, like, that artist or wherever it's from, like, makes a claim or something. Like, I had a video that I did in, um and Bakugo from My Hero Academia, and it mm-hmm. was using, like, the opening part to the Donatella from Lady Gaga, but then recently, I went to use a different part of that song in another TikTok, and it told me that the sound was removed, so I guess Lady Gaga didn't like Donatella being on TikTok anymore, but... So, so what the- happens to the, to the TikTok if the sound gets removed? Does it just become silent? Yeah, it's literally just silent. That is so creepy. I know. It's so weird. And then even if, like, you have it... So in TikTok, you can film stuff and save it in, like, your drafts, just, like, how you can do on, like, Instagram and stuff. So I had that song in a video in my drafts, and I went to post it, and then my draft is just, like, silent of me, like, lip-syncing. And I'm like, oh, this is so weird. But (laughs) at least, like, when it's in the drafts, it gives you an option to choose a new sound. But, like, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to be, like, lip-syncing a song that's not there. But if you're lip-syncing for your life, you can't just, like, not (laughs) have the song. But if it's already posted, it just stays that way. And the only thing you can do is download the video that you already have uploaded and then re-upload it with, like, a different sound. But, again, if you're lip-syncing to it or something, it makes it... It's just over. Yeah. Okay, so... 
I'm trying to get in the head of someone who, like, watches a lot of TikTok. And you mm-hmm. said that, like, you kind of just have to find your niche. And then, yeah. like, you start getting, like, what you want. But, I mean, it does seem, like, to be very attractive towards children and, like, teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it is must be because of, like, how short these videos are. I think it, it could be a mix of that. But honestly, like, so, again, I'm, I'm obviously not a, a child or teenager. But my, my sister is. And when I first started watching TikTok, or she first, I guess, like, introduced me to it, her favorite TikToker, or one of them is uh, Charlie D'Amelio, who, she's, like, the number one person on TikTok, right? Right. My sister likes her because she says that she's, like, a normal, everyday girl, and she's really, like, relatable. And that's why people like her, which, to me, that was so weird. Because when I was young and I, like, idolized celebrities, I didn't like anybody who I thought was normal, you know? Like, Absolutely. growing up, my favorite celebrity was, like, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> and, and, I, and I really liked, like, Paris Hilton. And I liked, like, the bad girls in Hollywood because they were extravagant and rich and glamorous and were always getting in trouble. And I thought that was so cool. But now, like, these kids that are watching TikTok, they just like these regular people that do the same dance every day and just different outfits. And they're like, wow. So relatable, so fun. And the dances are, like, really haunted because it's, like, these, like, very simple arm movements. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the one I'm imagining is, like, I can kind of, like, I've never seen this TikTok. I'm just kind of inventing it. But it's, like, a girl, like, in, like, a crimson halter top with, like, some high-rise jeans and, like, long hair and a perfect highlight. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, crossing her arms and then, like, raising them up and smiling. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like what i imagine and well that's what these these girls do they're wearing their their like shein outfits and they do a dance to like i don't know a doja cat song and then the next day they're in a new outfit and they do the same dance but like then that's just what they do every day and And this is what's uh coming across as relatable i i guess (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if it's maybe because they're they're like not celebrities, which is what makes them relatable. Like they're they're tackling me like regular people. They're just big on TikTok. But then right. I don't know because now some of these people that are big on TikTok are getting invited to like Met Gala and are getting like Netflix shows and stuff like that, which is again so shocking and so weird to me because they don't do anything. Like yeah, and I mean do a, a I dance guess- and an outfit. I kind of imagine that maybe some of this like comes from like post Kardashian fallout where the entire country was forced to kind of empathize and like sit with the Kardashian narrative for so long that people started kind of projecting themselves onto them and pursuing like their look a lot more. And maybe like that's filtered into seeking like some kind of like relatable teen girl like in their TikToks or, or whatever. Yeah. I maybe because I, I like I think the same people like again like I, I just know like about my sister and her friends but they don't like celebrities like the Kardashians and stuff like right. that because they think they're they're fake and overrated and all that stuff but I don't know like I I feel that way I guess about these like oh my gosh sorry my cat is like trying to knock over garbage right now so cute he he just loves to it's just cause problems <laughs> he's a potster yeah um sorry <laughs> so i think it's more fake and weird i guess to see like these regular people just doing the same stuff for literally just for like content for views and they don't ever seem like they're happy either 
like I don't know if you've watched any of like like Charlie D'Amelio's and like Addison Ray or whatever's like TikToks. But I mean, Addison Ray is the girl who fought with Trisha Paytas, right? I don't or was think that so. or is that tr- the, what are the Demilios? Anyway, oh one yeah, of them- the Demilios. The Demilios did. I think it was Charlie's sister. But they okay, were there's mad. multiple of them, right? There's like yeah. multiple Demilios. The whole family is like on TikTok. Like even her mom and dad are. What? Yeah. Which I remember Ew. when that, yeah, when that was happening, that's like what Trisha was saying. She was like, these parents need to stop like forcing their daughter to make all this stuff so that it can like so she can pay like for their mortgage and pay their rent and all this stuff because she's like making the money because she's the popular one. Mm-hmm. And like just kind of saying that these girls need to go out and be like real people. Because I think there was like a, a video that went around where Charlie and her sister were being like rude to like a, a staff. Oh, the chef, yeah, right? The chef. Which I think Trisha's whole thing was like, these girls are just have like no, like they're not grounded in like reality and they're just, they don't have any like, they're not humble and stuff like that. So they feel like because they got this fame so quick that it's okay to act this way. And then their parents are a part of that too. So their parents aren't being like, oh no, like you're, you have really bad attitude and all this stuff. They're like, oh yeah, this is great content for TikTok. Like keep going, you know? Yeah, it's like, they're ultimately quite similar to the Kardashians in the way that, like, they are creating an image of themselves to be, like, marketed mass media. But whereas the Kardashians are, like, so will like willfully fake and obvious with their sort of performance, like, the veneer of these people's normacy is so much more transparent. And I think, like, it makes it more unsettling when, like, they're relatability is extracted to like these 25 second repeating endless loops of them doing the same dance yeah and it's it's just it's so weird because I like I they don't show up on my for you page I think it's because maybe they're so popular that they just don't show up on the for you page because like TikTok they need it but anytime I'll like go to their page and like watch something they just have no like emotion in their eyes you know like, they look so dead inside while they're just doing the same dance and, like, a new outfit. <laughs> so I'm like, why? <laughs> it just makes me sad. Like, are, are they doing this to provide for their family? Are they doing it because they don't know what else to do in their life? But then some of these girls are, like, 16. I'm like, just go to school. You now know? I'm obsessed with the 16-year-old girl, like, being forced to make TikToks to, like, pay off their her, like, rich parents' house. Like, it's, it's sad. <laughs> it's so disturbing. Yeah. But, and then it's not like they can say anything different because, like, then there goes their, their TikTok career or whatever. Yeah, there goes everything. Yeah. And I guess, like, there's that part of it, which is, like, probably the normal side of TikTok. But when I, like, willfully go to look for something, it's usually because I saw something on Twitter that made me cringe. And then I want to go see more of the cringe content. Mm-hmm. And I I find that people do have a lot of outlets for really bizarre like subculture fandoms and stuff like I found this one woman who was probably like in her late 30s and was like a Percy Jackson like Greek god cosplayer stan love that obsessed with that yeah and I spent like 20 minutes just like looking at everything on her profile because I was like who are you I think seeing, like, older people who are still in fandom on, like, TikTok is fun. Because, like, a lot of the young people get really, like, upset about it. 
<laughs> like I, I recently had a video that blew up. I was talking about a My Hero Academia character, and I was I was basically just, um, ex- I was I made a a fun little skit or fun little video just to talk about how I'm like kind of upset that this like character who's a girl is treated like a lot like really poorly compared to like the male characters, mm-hmm. and so many comments were being like telling me that I'm like too old and stuff to be like consuming this content. Like I'm too old for me <laughs> to be watching, like, like a show written by like a forty year old. <laughs> too old to be like cosplaying and stuff. Which mm-hmm. I was like, I I guess, but I don't know. I think that's like I think it's it seems like it's a really common like teenager thing to think that once you become like like eighteen, you're just gonna stop having like interests and stuff anymore. Like, right. you're just going to want to go to university and get a full-time job and, like, have a family. But, like, people still, like, like what they like, you know? No, but. totally. I mean, when I was, like, 15 and 14 and, like, doing anime convention stuff, I always was, like, very... I don't know. I felt, like, a lot of respect and, like, admiration for older cosplayers and stuff who could, like, put money and, like, work into what they were doing. I thought it was all really like cool and interesting I was like I want to be like that but I guess uh maybe something that I think is is kind of hovering over TikTok especially with like the young like below 18 year olds who are producing content for it is kind of like the social justice like specter over it where Mm -hmm. a lot of like the most like performative and like ridiculous like pride discourse stuff or like fake communism all of it is like kind of extracted and put on maximum velocity on tiktok yeah it's it's honestly insane like seeing all these again it's normally people that are minors who are making videos about i don't know some some communism joke or saying some comments about how like oh we need to cancel this person because they're an adult who thinks this anime character who's 16 is hot, so they're a pedophile. <laughs> and then these videos just blow up. And, like, it's so... It's it's kind of, like, scary to me that this is, like, that these, like, children and stuff are believing stuff that's, like, just simply, like, not true, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I had a, a friend who um posted... I don't know if you've ever seen Attack on Titan. I have. But, so, she really, sh- like, the ship, like, the, the relationship of Aaron and Levi, right? So, she mm-hmm. made, like, a little video talking about it. And I'm not even kidding. She had, like, 30, like, people telling her to kill herself in the comments that were, like, under 15. Because, and, t- t- like, telling her that she was a pedophile. Because in the, <laughs> in the first few seasons, Aaron's, like, a minor and Levi's not. And, oh, like, my God. Yeah, like, literally being, like, go kill yourself. And then she responded to one with this one TikTok sound that is like, <laughs> it's like, what if I was suicidal? What if that was my last straw? And the person was like, good, I hope you, like, I hope you are. And the person oh was like, God. <laughs> Oh my God. It's so crazy that they think that they're in the right. Like, these kids that are telling people to kill themselves think that they're in the right. And it's Well, I mean, this, so this is all over Twitter, too. And it's like, yeah. all of the same kind of genre of people are the ones spitting it out, because... The people who have been most angry and vicious towards me have always been K-pop stands. Like, it's yeah. always been fucking Luna stands who are, like, telling me to kill myself for being a white colonizer in Japan. <laughs> and it's, like, I guess, like, something about, like, the TikTok format just, like, kind of encourages, like, these people to, like, 
jump into some idea of something and then cycle through it so quickly that there are never any consequences or weight and not to kind of like muse on the beauty of the past or whatever but like when I was like on forums when I was like 14 years old like you can't just like be behaving like that telling people to kill themselves because like it the the post lasts like it lingers but like the whole structure of TikTok is to force you through like so much content in such a short period of time that like nothing has any corporeality to it yeah literally and like i don't know it's again it's so scary and it makes me like so yeah disturbed to see that because when i was like young and i was on tumblr and things like that even if people were like only like like the really like creepy like psychotic like gamer trolls would tell people to kill themselves you know like, Absolutely. if anyone else did that, they'd be like, whoa, like, that's really, like, that's really bad. Like, don't say that. But now, like, it's, it's encouraged. And it's encouraged. It totally is. Things, and then it's also encouraged towards things that aren't real. Like, I see a lot of discourse, again, over people expressing their opinions over, like, if it's okay or not to, like, sexualize anime characters that are minors. Mm-hmm. In, like in fiction right like it's not like they're doing this about like real life people they're doing it about characters and like even i like some of my own friends and stuff will be like oh like like we like we should dox this person because they think this 15 year old genshin impact character is sexy (laughs) 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 and it's so like 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 i don't know how they can say that out loud and be like oh yeah this is totally okay and normal it's so I just, weird. It's very, very weird. I I wish I had an answer for, like, why this, like, manifests. Like, what it, the fuck is happening? But it is really unsettling because this TikTok is, like, the really, like, the contemporary medium. And, like, your sister, like, every young person I know who's, like, like just one, one or two years younger than us is, like, deeply into TikTok. And... Yeah. It's, like, funneling people through, like, these non-existent movements so quickly and with such velocity that it feels like it's all about to just explode. And it's especially unsettling when you see, like, the 15-year-olds, like, doing, like, communist memes. It's, like, what the fuck are, what, why are you thinking about communism? Like, go, like, steal alcohol from your parents and have a fucking cigarette. Yeah, like. I don't, like, I don't know, kids just aren't, like, they don't have fun. Like, they're too busy being worried about being woke. <laughs> they're, too, <laughs> like, they're too busy being cops. Yeah. On TikTok. I, I know, I know. Or, like, and then, yeah, these same people again will be like, oh, like, we need to get this person arrested because they think that a uh, back ago from My Hair Academia is sexy and they're 20. What it's like, I thought, like, aren't, aren't we cab? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Like, when I was that age, I, I used, um, I was on, like, Stan Twitter when I was in high school, but mm-hmm. I wasn't on it to the extent that kids are now. Like, I would still go to my part-time job, and then when I'm done my part-time job, I would get my mom to buy me and my friends alcohol, and then I'd go party, and then I would leave a party at, like, 6 a.m. and sleep in my car and have fun, you know, and be, like, a youth. I'd be a youth. I'd go to concerts, I'd go to the mall, be, be cringy at the mall with my friends, you know, be, be a fun teen. But kids don't yeah. do that now. They're just on the internet. Like, oh my god, they, what a nightmare. They're just on TikTok. They're just on Twitter. And then they get all the validation that they need from other youth that are also only on the internet. And then, like, I, I just, I don't even know how these people go about their, like, daily life. 
I can't imagine, like, meeting and interacting with any of these people. It's, like, they don't seem real to me. No. My, like, I, I have to, I, I imagine that these people aren't actually like this in real life because I don't know how they would, like, have friends <laughs> if they were. Like, some, seeing some of, like, the the weird, like, super fake woke, like, warriors for anime characters and stuff online i'm like how like if you were this way in real life like people would be like you're so weird like nobody i know in real life is like thinks as like like deeply and stuff about like fictional issues as people online right and i mean at least before it used to be kind of niche like i mean people have endlessly been arguing about this kind of stuff i think but like At least, like, before it used to be locked behind the extremely esoteric walls of, like, anime convention forums, and now it's just this, like, popular discourse Mm -hmm. on TikTok. (laughs) I know. Oh, Jesus. I mean, and also, you were touching on this. I don't fucking understand why it's such a sin to think that Bakugo from My Hero Academia is hot. Like, he's designed to be hot. He's hot. See, that's the thing, is that these characters aren't drawn to look like a 16 year old they're drawn to look like somebody who like male fans want to be and like girls would think are hot you know like that's the whole point of anime is like none of these people have any like physical essence and they can be perfect because they don't yeah because like what 15 year old is gonna have like an eight pack and huge biceps and be able to like make explosions come out of their hand you know like it's not real so i don't know why it matters well i guess it's just because like that's kind of like um the way that people have to maneuver society now is that like you have to suppress everything like sexual or emotional about you and you have to turn it into police work at a minor social level. So (laughs) the fact that it's like 15 and 16 year olds who are being like extremely coached and hoarded into like this fake communist, like pedophilia citizens arrest mode of functionality is just like oh my god like we're in a we're in a big storm of trouble it's so crazy it's so like it's still hard for me to like really grasp it because again like real life people don't think this way like i've tried to explain like this discourse to like my sister and my boyfriend because my boyfriend doesn't like my my boyfriend just watches people on twitch he doesn't use like any other type of like social media mm-hmm. but i'm trying to explain it to like real life people and they're like why do they care like they're not real like or, or if you don't like it just again just like what we were saying earlier just scroll past it like block them ignore them scroll but instead these people like these children well instead of going out and hanging out with their friends and having a cigarette and doing some fun underage drinking, they'll instead spend hours trying to find where these people, like, live (laughs) to, like, dox them and, like, ruin their lives because they just didn't, like, a take that they had about, like, an anime character or something. Nightmarish. But at least at the end of the day, we have your TikToks of you looking really hot in Kaoru cosplay doing GFOTY numbers. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. I have, um, uh, Asuka cosplay that I'm (gasps) going to do soon, too. I haven't caught- you get a plug soon? Yeah, yeah. Yes! I haven't cosplayed her yet because, like, honestly, I just, my, my boyfriend and I, we're, we're, like, really lazy when it comes to, like, cooking and stuff. So I've been eating a lot of, like, junky food and I've been pretty bloated. So I can't do that on TikTok because it's, it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I told my boyfriend, I'm, like, I don't even, like, want to, like, necessarily lose weight or anything, but I need to not look bloated so I can cosplay Asuka next weekend. So we're eating good this week. 
<laughs> okay, actually, when I did my little Oscar look at the bar, I swear to God, I mean, I'm, this is not behavior you should emulate, but <laughs> I did, I only had dinner for like two weeks beforehand because I really wanted to look skinny for it. <laughs> right? See, and that, that's like a, most of my, my popular cosplays are the ones that are like these skin tight suits. Cause like, again, I'm, I have a big butt, big tits. That's what guys like. That's what they watch my a lot of my TikToks for. And I well, you look that. great. Thank you, thank you. But again, I, I, I have like Spanx that I wear under them all. But Spanx can't hide like a bloated chubby face, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna eat clean this week and then hopefully cosplay Oscar next weekend because I have a lot of fun ideas for her. I but, can't wait to see it. Thank you. Lots of drama. It's, it's a really good setting for what we're about to talk about. I cannot wait. Ooh, I'm so excited. And me too. Okay, well, let's just get back into it. So, on the other side of the absolutely apocalyptic, dire youth culture that is churning out violence and police work on TikTok, I think we have a topic here that is the precise inverse. We have Drake, who I believe is one of the most glimmering and productive pieces of art to come out of the last 10 years. Yeah, you're, that's a great way to say it. <laughs> Look at my segue go. I'm, I'm such a professional <laughs> podcaster now. I just can't help myself. <laughs> like something that I, I've always adored about Drake is that like, you know how like on like us, like K-pop and J-pop stand Twitter or something that they always say is that like a certain artist will like, make music music for like the arts not the charts or whatever but like drake makes music for the arts and then it just charts too like he's just <laughs> like <laughs> i he's probably the only like singer that i like i i heavily like listen to and support that does like well like chart wise <laughs> which is really exciting for me oh it's because, thrilling like, for me too he doesn't miss yeah he never does like never and it's never so, it's so like amazing to see from like somebody that we'd like to see some that like somebody that you love and support as like an artist just only ever do well is so cool 
I mean, especially since I've been, you know, a Madonna stan for like eight years now and mm-hmm. having to deal with both Rebel Heart and Madam X during that timeline. <laughs> it's like, what a refreshing respite to have Drake, who has not had one professional misstep yet. No, never. It's it's so cool to see that, like, like I think, like, something that's common with artists is that their first album will do well, and then the second album's, like, whatever, and then the third album is, like, people don't really care about kind of thing. Like, it's it's like that kind of a a timeline with certain like artists but drake's like albums have only been bought more and like purchased more each time like and it's just amazing that him being the absolute like radio infection that he is like you Mm -hmm. can't avoid him he's everywhere he's in every commercial like drake is so omnipresent in the last like 10 years of, of pop culture and with all of that said, I think he is still such an ingenuitive and brilliant and emotional artist. And mm-hmm. I, no one else does it like he does, honestly. Nobody does. And so many people don't seem to like they don't realize get it. that. They don't they fucking get it. it. They don't get it. They don't. And I just, and I don't get how they don't get it. Like, how I can know. you, how can you see Drake, listen to his music, and then also like, hear what he does as like a person and as like a business person and stuff and not be like thrilled and impressed and want to know more you know i know i I think honestly it's going to be shocking for some people listening to this for me to think that drake is pure (laughs) art but to me it's shocking that people don't already see it so we're going to talk about three of his albums today um but before we get into those i'm kind of curious about what your general journey with aubrey graham has been well as you know i am a uh, a canadian from ontario and i lived in toronto for a long time which is obviously where the sex yeah the sex so you i if you're from toronto and you don't love and support drake like i i don't think you're really from toronto you know like drake's basically like he's put toronto on the map he's made toronto what it is now but anyways when i was young i loved grassy so when he started like rapping after degrassi i thought that was really cool but like he wasn't my favorite on degrassi when i was a kid i liked him i liked his character but he wasn't my number one but then once he like left Degrassi and then started making music and started to become like more prominent in the mainstream. I started paying more attention to like Drake as like a, as an artist and not just a Degrassi character. Right. (laughs) And I just have never looked back since. For me, my journey was that I was only really exposed to him from the Sprite commercial. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know the one I'm talking about where his face distends and then Sprite bursts out of his mechanical organs? Yeah, and it's so crazy, too, that that happened, because I think he was talking about, like, Lean or something in a song, and, like, Lean's made with Sprite, so Sprite was like, you want to work with us? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Uh, and what's the lyric to that? Uh, First name greatest, last name ever. (laughs) 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 So that was my my main exposure, but then I got Kanye West-pilled when I was, like, a junior in high school with uh, Yeezus, and my foray into rap and hip-hop started there and then it was freshman year of college and if you're reading this it's too late came out which Mm -hmm. was at the time like his big artistic crowning achievement and 
I was immediately enraptured by his bravado, by this intensely complicated male emotionality about him. I felt immediately turned on. I was I, I have been horny for Drake since the second I started seeing him that way. And just being fascinated by his visual presence, by his really deeply tragic sense of music, I bought in completely and have never looked back since. That's beautiful. Yeah. I I definitely feel similar when it comes to his like how like emotional he is in his music. And again, it's something that I think it's so weird that people don't like that. Like, there are some people who think that he's, like, too emotional and too sad or whatever. But, like, I think that's so beautiful that he, as, like, um, as a man in, like, the rap and, like, hip-hop and R&B scene, like, has the the confidence to, like, to show his emotion in his music, where I think mm-hmm. a lot of other rappers don't. Like, they don't have that ability. So, I think, so true. I think it's just so, like, amazing to see. Well, Drake kind of comes from this like post Kanye era when Kanye West did 808s and Heartbreak, which was uh, one of the first records in, in all of hip hop to really emote in such a, a vulnerable kind of singing way. And of course, like with Outkast or, you know, with so many other musicians before they, they've also been like vulnerable and emotional, but it's never been like the sort of orbiting point of their music. But like, then here comes Drake and it is nothing, from Take Care onward, it's absolutely nothing but, like, this extreme imagination of male heartache. And it's registered in this really deeply contemporary way. Like, I feel as if there's no other male musician who is singing about the sensations of the heart as beautifully and realistically as he is. Oh, there definitely isn't. And, like... And he makes, like, everything in his life so romantic in his music, too. Like, the way he talks about his friends and his crew and his family is, like, it, it, it's on par, I guess. Or it's even more, I think, romantic than the way he'll talk about, like, like love and, like, women in his life. Like, he – those are, like, my favorite songs from Drake are the ones where he's, like, just, like, really talking about how much he, like, loves his, like, friends. I think that's so, – I think it's so fun. And I love that for him. But then, like, the way that he talks about, like, his relationships that he's been in and, like, his his past and present girlfriends and how he gets treated by girls and stuff, I think it's just, yeah, like, no one really talks about it the way that he does. Like, he's really, yeah, like you said, he's really vulnerable and really honest when he talks about, like, his experience with, like, love. And I don't know. I just, I think it's so refreshing. And so, like, it's, it's really, like, relatable and real. No, like but you're, like, you're so right that it's romantic. Like, he he is mm-hmm. actual, like, the literary movement of romanticism, like, embodied now. Like, mm-hmm. when I, because I also love his songs where he's just, like, singing the joys of having money and nice cars and his friends and how much he loves his family and how much he loves his mom. It's like, he does it in a way that is romantic in the literary sense because he turns all of like these images and gestures from his life into these grand sweeping emotional pictures basically. And that's why like a lot of his music for me, when I'm listening to it, even if it's like not intended to be, it like makes me like weepy when I hear something like Tootsie slide. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but like, I hear Tootsie slide and all of a sudden I'm like, 
so imbued with overwhelming emotion. I could like cry smoking a cigarette on my veranda. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, I, and Cal, like he's, to like, so I'm not like a, a super, like I'm not really into like the like rap scene, I guess. Like I, I love Drake. I really like Azalea Banks, but that's kind of, like, it that I listen to. Great like, picks. That, yeah, yeah, I mostly just listen to, like, I don't know, pop songs that came out in, like, 2005. Like, that's that's where my music tastes lie. But <laughs> I think that Drake just offers, like, he can just do everything. So I feel like just standing him is, like, enough, you know? <laughs> like, he can make those, like, romantic, emotional, beautiful songs. But then, yeah, he also has songs that are, like, chart, like, chart toppers that are so fun. And then he has this, like really like heavy like angry rap songs so he just does it all so he's all i need I just, he's I very I much like a michael jackson for our moment yeah mm-hmm. i he has so much star power he's and he okay he's so hot yeah mm-hmm. I, I i don't people don't see it i i think he's so delicious i don't i i, f- I feel like gaslit by the world when people make fun of me for like thinking he's hot yeah, I think, like, people that don't think he's hot definitely are, like, really weird. <laughs> Not even, like, just, like, his his face, but he has, like, a great bod. Okay, like, the bod he, is everything. Yeah, he's so, like, big and built, which I love the guy. I don't, I don't really know if he's necessarily, like, a super muscular guy, but he just has those, like, like a broad build. He's got the size about him, which is what counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about, like, creating, like, the illusion of masculinity. And, like, yeah, like, Drake is not, like, the most, like, perfectly constructed human. But he has, like, that look in his eyes, which is, to me, the most beautiful part of any man. When they seem, like, distant and considering something else and, like, a part of a different universe. And you're just encountering them and then being seen by them is everything. So, um, every single year I send Drake one tweet asking him to go on a date with me. And I have since I was, like, (laughs) 17 years old. I love that. Um, maybe he'll accept one day. I think I'm, he will. I'm for sure not sold on Drake being straight. I don't believe that at all. My but. take is that I don't think he's gay. I do think he likes trans girls. Is is my guess? Yeah, I think. I think him and I get. I feel that from him and Am Kanye West. Of course. I think they both would be happier dating the uh, girls that they want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they should just go for it. And I think Drake probably doesn't have the security or, like, lack of care for his image to go through with it. But Kanye yeah. is kind of where I'm placing my bets because he he's probably the one who could just go for it. Yeah, and then once he does it, then everyone will follow. So exactly. You so, just have to wait for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. We just have to wait. So <laughs> we're going to talk about three of drake's records today in reverse chronological order and i like or love all of these albums and out of the three the first we're going to talk about is probably the one i like the least and it is 20 what 2019 2018 that's right 2018's scorpion Mm -hmm. so this album came out um right after pusha t started a lot of drama with revealing that Drake had a kid. Drake was canceled. This album Scorpion had already been kind of like pushed back and uh, delayed for so long. And then it was delayed a little further. And finally we get the album and it is as usual. 
an extremely long, like, 90-minute self-indulgent fantasy from him, which is full of deeply melancholic production from his longtime producer, Forty, as well as a lot of bizarro inclusions of campy homosexuality and, like, club music. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt, like, really deeply perplexed by it. I've never been able to listen to it all in one sitting, but I uh, I love the maximalism of it, and uh, he is consistently sexy on the album, so it's a win for me. Yeah, I... When you asked me to to do the Drake episode this weekend, I listened to so I listened to Views first again because I love Views, and then I listened to Scorpion because I also hadn't listened to every song like in order. And yeah, I it it is a lot. It's <laughs> I, a lot. <laughs> I, I I took my dog for like a long walk, and I I did have to skip some stuff just because I was like, okay, like these are like I've heard like the like the singles and stuff enough. Like that's fine. I'm gonna like keep listening to the like, some of the other stuff, but I. I, I really do like Scorpion a lot. I think it was really, sm- like, I, I really liked how he did kind of make it into, like, a, it was, like, a double album, how it's more, like, hip-hop rap on the first half, and then goes more into, like, his, his R&B, like, more singing part on the, on the second half. Right. But, and then it is a very sexy album. Like, the second half, it's a lot more, like, songs about, like, sex and stuff than what he, I think he normally does on an album. Like, mm-hmm. I think he'll make some references in songs, but the second half is basically just songs about sex, which I'm like, love that for you, Drake. Like, of course, like, get it. But... <laughs> I feel the same way. Um, I mean, it is, I, I actually do appreciate this quality of Drake quite a bit, which is that he has no restraint in editing at all, and everything he does is, like, 90 minutes plus, and yeah. then he has, like, bizarre mixtape and playlist and ep releases that are like basically the extra full albums that are just as long and i do think it's gutsy to be putting so much of yourself out there without like cleaning up a lot of the material um so even if i'm like not into the every single track from this album i do like the really ridiculous long form feel of it and i really love the singles yeah me too I love the singles. Okay, so nice for what? A big one. Huge. Very that Huge. one is also that one is was very big on TikTok, I believe. I think there were like dances and stuff to it. The song is so fun. I Yeah, I and this is the one like, that has the big big Frida uh, big big. This is the one that has the big Frida sample, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I love his like his like radio songs. Cause they're so catchy and so fun and like the lyrics and everything for nice for what i i just i love when he's like i love when he like is bragging i guess in his songs like when he's like really like kind of like telling everyone that he's like better than them i love that i love that too and nice for what is kind of the song he does that is uh about like the it's very much about, like, women in a way that's, like, not his, like, typical, like, kind of, like, worn-out view of, of girls and his, like, cynical kind of iciness towards them. But it's, like, about a girl working her 9 to 5 and then going and getting uh, wasted at the club and posting pictures on Instagram. And it's all, like, very cute and affirming. Mm-hmm. And I I find that Drake's take on women and the way he views them is really beautiful because it's so true to his uh his like masculine tragedy and 
the sort of pictures he chooses to present of them of it's like of these like hot girls who are like going to Rome and like taking cute pics of their butt and like going out to the club and the fact that he's like not like being a little scold about it and is like seeing like some sublime beauty in it I I think yeah. is quite innovative well like Drake makes music for girls that are like yeah they're like independent girls who are like in university or have like full-time jobs and don't want or need like a, a boyfriend to like do everything for them you know mm-hmm. which I think that's something that he like mentions a lot when he's talking about like women that he will like have some like lyrics and stuff about not wanting to be like used by girls and things like that and when he does like when he'll he'll pay for their like flights and do all this stuff then he feels kind of bad about it and things like that because I don't think he wants that like I think he does want someone who's like an equal to him and I think he's supportive of that which I think is something that you don't always see in like a lot of like hip-hop music yeah meanwhile he's like impregnating that porn star girl (laughs) yeah but I think she was also like a painter right so that's kind of cool is that true yeah yeah she was like a I don't know if she still is a painter but she's a retired porn star who's now like an artist wait I love that I had no idea So maybe he was like he commissioned like a painting and then was like let's have sex now or something you know that. I don't cool. think that baby is cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, that I I it makes me I, like I feel kind of bad for him that like I know like in the the oh my gosh which oh is it the one when he's like a, I was a I wasn't trying to hide my baby from the world I was tr- trying to hide the world. For, yeah from him yeah, I think yeah. That, i'm pretty sure it's like 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 is that is that in survival i think yeah i think it is yeah but like i i understand it because people were really mean about this baby being like really white <laughs> <laughs> it was a really white blonde baby <laughs> but like i think it's because like his baby looks like a lot like his mom yeah yeah but i do love seeing him like did you see the photos he posted the other day of like his his baby like his son and like the like like the the tiger makeup like playing in a ball pit and him like playing with him i did see and it's all very cute but i feel really (laughs) resentful towards the baby to be honest (laughs) because any evidence of his heterosexuality just infuriates me no that's fair that's fair (laughs) so it's like i'm so happy that his baby and him seem to have like a nice little relationship but like i personally like loathe the baby I've had a baby fever for the past few years, so it makes me more jealous than anything. <laughs> like, I want a baby, but I like I want to like have my like shit together before like I have a baby, which good good call. Yeah, which Drake obviously already has a shit together, so even though he didn't plan on having a baby, he can like make it work. But... Exactly. And this like baby mom is not really cute either. Okay, I thought the same thing. I was like, you know what? On a nice night when I got my highlight on just right, like she means nothing to me <laughs> yeah like i think if you were at the that same same club maybe he would have responded to that to the date text you know yeah perhaps then i would be carrying drake's child <laughs> True. <laughs> and then it would be even wider <laughs> yeah because i don't know if his if the baby's mom is white she's she's tan <laughs> but i don't really know <laughs> So. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure the baby that I would have produced with Drake would be like a snow blindness. Yeah, I'm like I'm very pale, so I yeah I agree. I think I think we both. At have least our t- I would have probably had 
still crazy that the baby's like that blonde when like he's obviously not blonde and his the, the baby mama's not blonde either but we love genetics <laughs> love it <laughs> um another song i um uh, really like on this is another one of the singles which is um in my feelings mm-hmm. and this is the famous kiki do you love me and yeah I wasn't really on board for Scorpion until I was dating a guy who already had a boyfriend and started getting extremely (laughs) emotional about it. And for some reason, like, just random Drake lyrics, like, just sit into my psychology. And, like, there's something about them that is so upfront that it, like, manages to encapsulate everything I feel about a situation, like, regardless of if it actually is related at all. And uh, hearing him go through... A variety of girls asking if they love him. I was like, oh, me, Rosuke, <laughs> do you love me? <laughs> well, yeah, I can definitely, I can see that. And like listening to songs like that actually reminds, like it, it makes me think about, Um, I think it was your first Pride episode when you were talking about how sometimes you'll just like see like a beautiful person on the street and like your whole life is like turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's how Drake is with, like, women, too. Like, yes. I, think, I think he might not even, like, actually, like, be, like, even be with them. But he'll have, like, a moment and he's like, my life is over. I'm going to write a song about it, you know? And Absolutely. I love I think that. I think that's so, like, again, it's just, it's so different from what other people, like, what other, like, rappers and artists are doing. Well, because it's not cool to, like, be so overwhelmed with, like, the beautiful image of someone. Like, for some reason, like, something in contemporary culture has encouraged people to be, like, distended and not emotionally swept away by the people that they see and meet. But that's absolutely something that I've been perpetually just thrilled by Drake's music with is the way that he gets caught up in, like, these images of beauty and then goes on horrifying multi-album tangents about, like, one woman that he saw, like, looking cute at a bar. Yeah. Yeah, like, I know, I, I think people, they, yeah, they seem like they're almost afraid now to show, to, like, share that much about themselves. Like, they'll share things that don't, like, matter to people, you know? <laughs> or they'll, like, or they'll, they'll dump their, like, trauma on somebody before they, like, say that they think that that stranger's beautiful, you know? That's so true, because it's way easier in this sort of attention economy to chat about trauma or to, like, unpack woes. But instead, like, we could all just be, like, in this lush state of Drakeism, being yeah. overwhelmed by, like, how nice someone looks and how it makes you feel in your little boy heart. I, I think that's way more relatable than, like, anything else, you know? But, and I, I think a lot of people... Again, because they're too afraid to, to have those feelings, they can't relate to it. But I think if, like, more people sat down with their own feelings and their own emotions and then they listened to Drake, I think they would see him differently. Well, that that's the whole theme of this podcast is to, like, ignore politics and to, like, get out of, like, the news cycle and is just to open your heart to being upset and emotional and thrilled by the art you witness every day and... Even Scorpion, which I think is, like, sometimes not successful and is, like, kind of, like, blubbering and too long and, you know, all these things. But it doesn't really matter because, like, at the end of the day, you still have songs like Emotionless where he is earnestly putting 
forward like a call to action towards like feeling from your heart and i think that's so beautiful Mm -hmm. and that song's also funny to me because uh he goes on his little tirade against uh girls who uh think that they'll be happy if they go to rome and like take pictures there or like (laughs) girls who are like having a happy marriage until they put down the phone that's like such a common thing for him too he seems as as Considering he's a, a person in, like, the social media age who, like, uses social media, he's, like, very against social media. <laughs> he comes off as, like, very grandpa when he, like, is uh, doing his little finger wagging about it. And he's like, oh, I'm so woke for thinking this. But it's it's all just very cute to me. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's cute, too. But... And this is uh, the most recent Drake album that we've had. We got an EP in the middle and we're currently waiting for his uh, next album, which was originally when we were going to do this record, but it's been a year now since yeah. we've been uh, trying to figure out when he's going to put it out and since he shaved that heart into his hair. Which I think is cute. I love uh, it. So cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but before then, we had an album that is such a deep part of my personal history that whenever I think about my uh, junior year of college, I-, I can't help but hear the icy music of this record and it's a uh, it's views from i believe 2015 or 2016 i think 2016 Six, it would be 2016 yeah because i think right before that was if you're reading this it's too late and i think that was like early 2015 and you said that this is your favorite of the albums we're talking about today mm-hmm. is it your I... favorite drake album overall so views and if you're reading this it's too late are both very like special albums to my heart uh like when both of them were released I was living in Toronto at the time and I don't like Toronto's like such a it's like a very important like city in my heart so I love any like song that Drake has about Toronto but obviously Views is was originally Views from the Six so it's literally like the album is about like his the, it's basically about Toronto like it's about his feelings his life growing up there the people he's met there the people he's like he has helped to make successful to take out of Toronto but they always end up going back to Toronto so it's very special to my heart which I love and then yeah um then if you're reading this it's too late that one is also a bit about Toronto but that one came out when I was working at um HMV and we stayed like late to like all listen to it together Oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Because, like, again, as much as, like, people might say that they don't think that Drake is, like, a a, a real rapper or whatever because he's, like, emotional and all that stuff. Like, I don't know anybody who's, like, from Toronto that doesn't love Drake. So everyone will always come together to listen to Drake in yeah, Toronto. He's a little hero, right? Yeah. He's done so much for the city. Like, apparently he brings in, like, 5% of, like, Toronto's um tourism income. from just people wanting to like go to a store and go to like the restaurants he's talked about and the streets and stuff he's talked about which I like I can totally see because like even living there if he'll like mention a street I'm like I should go take like a photo in front of the street sign (laughs) (laughs) and then caption it with like a Drake lyric well that's uh the power of the romanticism of his lyrics is that it, it imbues all of these places with so much power and like on views on like child's play when he's like why you gotta argue with with me at cheesecake <laughs> it's like oh i gotta go to cheesecake factory immediately i know and the, and i don't know if this is the cheesecake factory he's talking about but i think it's the one because there is there's only one in toronto and it's in like like yorkdale mall 
because he talks about like like going shopping at the mall and then arguing in cheesecake so I feel like it's that one so yeah my boyfriend I did go and eat there and that's like all I was thinking in my head was like god should I start a fight (laughs) 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 so so I can so I can recreate this moment in Drake's life with my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) but I mean does he not imbue that little argue with so much like thrilling little power? Like something about like the the synth in that song and like the the kind of like rolling progressive motion of it. It's like you hear that and it's like, oh, I want to th- feel the thrill of a fight at a restaurant. Yeah, like <laughs> yes. And like when I was preparing for the podcast, I was reading some like like reviews and stuff on like the like the albums that we're talking about, and like. It's crazy that, like, if people don't have those same feelings, like, they'll be like, oh, Child's Play is just, like, a fun, silly song. But I'm like, Wrong. Did, did it not make you feel? <laughs> like, did, like, did it not make you want to be in a relationship that you're both so passionate about each other that you can't help but have an argument in the Cheesecake Factory? Like, a passionate disagreement in the middle yeah. of a Cheesecake Factory in a mall? And Child's Play is <laughs> such a good example because it's, like, um... It's, a, it's so anxious, you know, as he's, like, mm. a hiding, like, car keys, and they're, like, bickering about how many people Drake has slept with, and it's, like, with the, the really, like, quick-moving music behind it, it, like, feels like a panic attack, almost, mm-hmm. and, I mean, it, it's just so fascinating to me that someone who's, like, top 40 or whatever is, like, doing that kind of stuff where they're just putting their really bizarro, like, freaky... I'm upset feelings about stuff into this kind of music. I just, I, I, the reviews for views, the reviews for views really pissed me off when they came out actually, because the album was like kind of like scathed. Yeah. It like, considering how well it did commercially, I'm like, like, I don't know. I think that music critics are just all like fake and dumb. Like I, I haven't like read anything from a music critic that I'm like, like, I feel like they just, like, none of these people even like what they're listening to. Like, mm-hmm. they go into it knowing that they're not going to like it, you know? So, well, like, it's, it's especially bad with Drake. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. Maybe, like, I'm obviously not a, a professional critic. But, like, I, I, like, to me, it would make more sense to have somebody who, like, actually cares about this stuff talk about it versus somebody who's just getting paid to talk about it. Well, at the time, I was uh, seriously reading Pitchfork, the devil website, because... Oh my god, the Pitchfork review for views actually makes me want to vomit. Oh, it's so, so disgusting. I reread just- it today because, uh, I, like you, I was kind of like thinking about like the critical reception to this and, and everything, and... <laughs> When I first listened to Views, I thought it to be, like, this, like, very, like, loose and airy and dreamy album, like, full of, like, sort of, like, loosely articulated emotions that you can kind of slip in and out of. And I used to go on these walks around my campus, like, vaping weed um, Mm -hmm. out of, like, my oversized jacket, like, just listening to Views while it, like, rained in Oregon. And I just, like, could get swept up in these, like, big feelings that he keeps talking about. And then... At the same time, I was a pitchfork girl and like I wanted to know like what the artistic take was about every like pop record. And this came this review came out which just so thoroughly misunderstood everything that he does that I just like I basically stopped reading pitchwork from there. Yeah, I've I've always been pretty like anti music reviews and music critics just because I've never read one that yeah, like they like they just don't seem to really get like the artists themselves. Like, they'll talk about, like, the music or whatever, sure, but, like, they just don't understand, like, how 
that artist's like brain works and why they did what they did. So I'm, I'm like, what are you even criticizing? Like you're criticizing that you personally don't like the song, but why? Like what, what about his, like his backstory and his life and his thoughts and feelings? Like, like talk about that. But anyways, anyways. <laughs> no, no. Like, I mean, for I, me, I was... it's that they're, they're all so unemotional. It's like yeah. they're they're designed from the onset to be malfunctioning and unsuccessful in talking about music, which is an extremely emotional art form. Is because they're so abstracted and scientific with the way they analyze it. Yeah, and it's it's so icky. And I, yeah, it was so shocking with views because I was kind of like the same way with how I would listen to it. But instead I would, um, when I lived in Toronto, I like couldn't really afford to do anything because it's really expensive to live in Toronto, right? So on my days off for fun, I would ride like the subway, like the, have you been to Toronto? I've never. Well, when you go ride the subway, right? The, the yellow line, that's like the, like the going, goes into parts of downtown and then like the like upper, like North parts of Toronto. So I'd ride that line up and down and I'd like listen to like the full like album <laughs> and I just sat and like looked out the window and like, again, I felt emotional, right? Like it's, it was winter time. I'm looking out at like the, the dreary winter Toronto days, listening to like the, the sounds of the TTC and the music and like the, the wind and everything. And it's, it's just, it's such like a, like a beautiful like feeling that you get and it really like submerses you in it. So I don't know how everyone else doesn't get that too. <laughs> I'm really clueless um yeah but this album just like it's so emotionally sunk into me and this is also um Drake likes to put like his fun big single on the end of any album even if it's a completely unrelated and this is the album that features Hotline Bling Mm -hmm. and I just no one will ever know the sort of ecstasies and joys I experienced like when Hotline Bling came on at a frat party it's so fun it's, it's so song, fun. It's so fun. And the video was great. Like, and again, it's just, it's, it's more proof of how Drake is just so like ingrained in like every part of our culture that he puts out this video and then it became like such like a hit so quick. It was like memed or whatever for years. Like it was, it was just had that much of an impact. And then, and, but it's like a fun song, but it's, it's so a fun, fun song that was that impactful because he's Drake. What other songs from the record are you really fond of? Uh, so Western Road Flows is my favorite. It's very high up there for me, too. I love it. Love it. Again, I love hearing him talk about, like, his, how he, like, like just growing up, like, working as a, as a small, small Toronto actor, which something that I also get a little mad about is when people are like, oh, Drake didn't really start from the bottom. He was like an actor in Toronto. But like, how many Toronto actors do you know that like make it out of Toronto, you know? Like his other Degrassi co-stars, like the only ones that I think did anything really afterwards was like, one was on Vampire Diaries. And then another one was on like the remake of 90210. <laughs> like none of them did it. Like they didn't really make it out of the city and they didn't become like huge successes, which Drake did. So I love him talking about that. But then I also love him talking about how he like wanted to make that happen for like his friends too, which he talks a lot about a lot on the album, like having like grown up in like Toronto with his friends that he wanted to make music with. And then they're his, like, they're his ride or die. So once he became big, he, like, really helped them to be successful, too. And then they all still, like, ride for him or whatever. And I think it's, like, so amazing. 
I just love him having like good friendships. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I love that for him because like as much as I, as I do think Drake is like a, a hot person physically, I'm like I'm like pretty soft for him. <laughs> I mean, he's soft for sure. Yeah. There's no way around so, it. So I love seeing like I love hearing him just talk about like his his friends and family that he like loves and like the city that he loves, which is like such like a prominent part of views. So I love Western Road for that. That's and a, then I love I love the tone of that song too. It's yeah. all just like so like cold. I, I don't know. The whole record has like that kind of like blue feeling towards it that's just extremely like I, it's almost impossible to like put into words i feel but i don't know there's like this like uniquely melancholic and like tragic sort of tone to the whole thing but it's like saying all of these things that i find so beautiful and it it's kind of like the true essence of of anything beautiful to me which is that it's so gorgeous and life affirming to experience that it is immediately woeful because you know the feeling will pass yeah yeah he's so good at like matching what he's like like his themes of his albums and his songs like always match together so well like how views is supposed to be kind of like the feeling of experiencing like a like a winter in toronto and then summer and then back to winter again which is like a pretty like a a thing that i think a lot of people who live in at least like north america or especially canada can understand because canada has like really long winters especially toronto and they're they're very cold like they're like I remember one night I was listening to Drake walking home from the subway from my job at HMV and it was in winter and by the time I got home like my eyes were like almost frozen shut because of like how <laughs> cold it was on like my eyelashes and stuff. So I just and you feel that when you like listen to the songs like they like how yeah like the melancholy and him talking about like his his like his sadness in his life but then also like his his friends and his family and things like that. Like you get that kind of like the winter feeling, but then you also get like the, when he's talking about like the things that he loves and appreciates, you kind of get like the warm, cozy winter feeling. And then you yeah. get to like his more summer songs when he's being more, I guess like, I don't know, happy and, and fun and less, uh, <laughs> less woeful and melancholy. Um, I cut you off earlier, but what other songs did you wanted to say you were into? Oh, okay. So I, love faithful as well oh me too which uh, has a division on it yeah yeah love i, I love division <laughs> i love all the ovo stuff because i mean um that's originally like where the the weekend came from too and uh, when all of these uh musicians started coming out they were all like very uniquely like weepy r&b acts and i i, I was quite thrilled by them myself yeah me too i think anyway. it's nice that drake can like find these people and like help them to become like successful because he became successful doing like that too but yeah i i love faithful i think the lyrics in it are so nice i think it's very romantic again i love him talking about like what like supporting like like again like an independent woman who's like kind of on like on par with him with wanting to work hard and be like successful like for herself yeah, it's very that's uh, it goes back to kind of uh, what was happening on Scorpion with a uh, nice for what, and that's yeah. one of my favorite modes for him to be in. Yeah, and then I like I like Grammys a lot as well. I don't really care for I think like him. I know him and Future did that like mixtape together. Oh yeah, 
I think their voices just sound a little too different. So I don't really care for well, part on like, the song. Generally, like, I don't even, like, love, like, rappy Drake in the first place. Yeah, I do like his more, like, R&B. Yeah, because when I think about some of his, like, that's why Scorpion is, like, kind of a miss for me is because so much of it is, like, the rapping in the first half but like views is is really perfect because like he'll still do it there's like pop style or whatever but it's mm-hmm. like it doesn't like feel so much as a focus you know yeah because the rappy drake can be kind of embarrassing sometimes like it's like it's a very cute to hear him do it and i'm permanently charmed by him but i feel like when he's like shining the most is like when he is just like uh, getting into his feelings or having to put on this show of like i am a real rapper no, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think, like, and I, I think he would probably be, like, he's always going to be successful, but I think people would have less, maybe, like, less of an issue with him if he wasn't trying to let everyone know that he's a real rapper. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I can understand people being like, oh, you didn't really, like, struggle the same way that other people did, and Drake has to, like, work so hard to convince people that he did struggle so he can rap. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know like I I like his songs where he's like I do like when he's like rapping and like bragging about what he has because I think that's kind of fun to to do towards those people that are like oh you're not a real rapper because it's like okay you can say that but he has the most like billboard charted hits like in history <laughs> he has like most I think like like number one albums in history and number one music videos in history so as much as people can be like oh he's like not a real rapper he has like the the, he has a success and I mean yeah, I, I, th- I think it means something that people are like so fascinated by him like mm-hmm. uh, he kind of seems to be like a sort of like vessel for people to put a lot of like their emotions into that don't get stated almost anywhere else because hip-hop doesn't really address any of the stuff he's kind of doing and then the only other people who are making this like kind of music are basically like female musicians at this point so to have yeah. like the single male figure like put their emotion into grandiose statements i think does prove like massively successful but he's the only one who like does it authentically which is why like i think that his uh kind of cringy rap stuff sometimes is honestly a benefit because you can just like tell how earnest it is yeah yeah i agree like i again i think it's like he he does work really hard to i guess convince people that he this is who he is but I think that's like nice that he wants to prove himself still like even though he has proved himself like like commercially he still wants to make it known that this is who he is he is a rapper he is successful he is the best and he like even though he is like he is again commercially he still wants to you know I mean you know what I mean no I know exactly what you mean he has that drive yeah. Way, way, way up. Turn it all up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wanna, 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 I w
our conversation thus far has taken us from TikTok and youth culture to the emotions of Drake. And I, I feel like the final point of those is personally in take care. And yes. I'm going to fuck up the year again. It's 2012. 2011. Oh, damn it. Because <laughs> 2010 was his uh, his first album. Yeah. And Drake just loves to announce an album and then not put it out for, like, months to, like, a year. <laughs> no, I think it's, he's done that, like, three or four times. I, yeah, like, I mean, Kanye kind of gets, like, slated as, like, the artist who's always, like, fucking up his own releases. But, like, Drake has, like, never successfully released an album when it's supposed to come out. No, I think maybe it was, I think Scorpio might have came out when it was supposed to. It was a little maybe. delayed. Yeah, but, like... Everything else is just, like, anywhere from, like, six months to a year (laughs) until it actually comes out. So, take care. This is, I think, personally, my pinnacle for Drake acting at his uh, number one best. I think it's his most artistic album. And even though Views I have the most memories associated with and is probably my most revisited from him, uh, Take Care, for me, is kind of the most poetic and in that realm of masculine exorcism, honestly, of feelings. And the whole album is, like, this sort of, like, cursed, like, bleak, rainy, like, upset album about his problems with women, about uh, him beginning to touch fame for the first time. And it's all very confessional and almost, like, diary in style and... I just have never seen any other hip-hop artist do this so well. Yeah. And then it was his his first time doing that, too, which I think also makes the album, like, really special because his first – his mixtape and his first album were a lot more, like, rap-heavy. And I know in Take Care, he had, like, said before the album came out that he had a lot more time with this album to make, like, songs that were were different and that he was able to, like, put a lot more of himself into, which I think is also why – he really started to like sing more in his music and like talk more about his feelings in like a, a, yeah, like an emotional, like poetic way than he did before. Right. Cause it's such a big transversal from like what he was doing in his first record that you would, om- I mean, if he didn't sound the same, you wouldn't believe there are records from the same people. Yeah. Cause his first and was he- like so like hype boy, like it, it's so traditionally hip hop and I think it, it makes Take Care more special for being the complete opposite to that. I agree. I agree. And I, I think it was really nice, too, that he was able to start to make more of the type of music that he wanted to because he was he got that fame and that success so quick, which he talks about, too, in the album, since he really went from being just like a... Like, it's crazy that he was acting on Degrassi in 2007, and then this album comes out in 2011. Like, that's not a lot of time to, like, between being, like, a small-time Canadian TV actor to having, like, an album that goes number one on the Billboard charts. Yeah, and this album is so funny, too, because, it I mean, it's so, like, 2011. I I guess it is 10 years now, which is insane. But, like, (laughs) he had, like, Kendrick Lamar on the album who, like, hates him now and, like... (laughs) I just, uh, all of it is also, like, very, like, of its moment, but it still feels, like, so timeless because it is so based on his, uh, personal realm of feeling, but the tone of the album is kind of that it is constantly interspersed with, like, phone calls and recordings of conversations, and it feels, like, really deeply intimate. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, that's something I love about the songs on the album is all of those, like, yeah, the phone calls and the little snippets, like, in Marvin's room. Yes. The, like, the, the girl talking, like, who's supposed to be playing his, like, ex or whatever. I think that's so cool. And it really, like, makes the, that, like, it really actually, like, immerses you in how he's feeling. Because, like, at Marvin's room, that's my favorite on, on Take Care. I love that song (laughs) i think it might be his best song yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and it's i think it's for sure his most like that's the song that i think anybody who's like been in a relationship can relate to like if you've had a somebody who you've dated that you're not dating anymore i think that's something that like anyone can relate to that feeling of wanting to of wanting to like talk to them again because you don't really have like anyone else to talk to right and i mean like the structure of marvin's room too is that it's like it's a drunk call yeah and he's like leaving a voicemail. It's like kind of the gimmick behind it, but it's so frank to have someone kind of admit that they're like drunk calling their ex, basically, and like spilling their feelings out like that. That I mean, it's difficult to recognize now when we have like Lil Nas X, and you know, there's a lot more like feminine like emotion and stuff. But like Drake really gets to a masculine emotion there like through that sort of like feminine weakness that he's going through and i can't imagine like any rapper in that era except for kanye to put themselves out as like so sort of like subservient and vulnerable and it's really like fascinating and thrilling to hear yeah it's yeah it's it's really it's yeah it's really cool and it was so, again, it, it makes him so much more, I think, like, relatable to people who might not be, like, fully into, like, the whole, like, rap scene and might not listen to that type of music to hear how he is so, so honest to, like, a fault in his music that he will just, he'll talk, like, I, like, I think that he upsets a lot of people sometimes and, like, the way that he talks about his, like, exes and women and stuff like that. But, like, again, he's just, he's being, like, I, I, I think he says stuff that people do think and people do do, but they're just not, they, they don't have that like honesty to like actually say it, which Drake does. Right. Cause I mean, so much of it is like him revealing his preoccupations to this sort of like self like flagellating and like masochistic layer because mm-hmm. we kind of expect that of all women when they release like their trauma album or something and basically like every female artist i like truly love with maybe the exception of like lana del rey has like gone through the cycle of like them putting out their album where like they are like torturing themselves that way and like even though like drake is like kind of like being you know sometimes like cruel or like saying like things um Take a Shot for Me, which is another song I really love on this album, is, like, all, like, mm. oh, like, I made you, like, you're thinking of me all the time. But, like, the context of it is, like, kind of, like, embarrassing and, like, funny for him to be speaking that way. And you never see any men, like, putting themselves to that level. No. Like, the... And I think, like, the only men that you see in, like, media that do stuff like this are, like, the like, the, the character in a show that's, like, the main girl's, like, new, like, crazy, like, psycho boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> all very really CW. Yeah. But, like, he, he really is. I, even still, there aren't really a lot of people that are doing that. Like, I, I guess, I don't really listen to, like, a lot of, like, little Nas X, but I think he, he, he's able to get, almost, like, get away with it more because he is, like, a, a gay man. 
And yeah, I think exactly. even like with Tyler the Creator, when he like came out, people were more like willing to listen to him be like emotional because they're like, oh, he's gay. Gay men are emotional. Right. Because <laughs> like a, a a straight man who's also, or I guess quote unquote straight man, <laughs> who's also putting out his emotion. And I think that's harder for people to to grasp and understand that like you can be a a, a man that's secure enough in your masculinity that you can have these feelings and still be like a like a, a sexual person and still want to experience like romance and love and stuff but then also be able to talk about it in like a sad like heartbreaking way you know? yes no that's so true like drake is the only person who's been able to the kind of like uh find a way to like get past like the discourse around like toxic masculinity you know where it's like all kind of like basically from the time Drake started being popular to now it's like when like men have been kind of encouraged to like be like more open about their feelings or whatever but like the way that it manifests is like I think in actually a lot of inauthenticity and a lot of like kind of like whimpering and sort of like loserly behavior and like production of things that aren't true that men say to kind of like get the approval or whatever but like what drake is saying is like upset and like rude towards women and like furious and inappropriate but because he's like presenting it in such an emotional way like you just like know it to be true and like this is like truly like the the way to get past like whatever it is that's like toxic masculinity is to like give men like an outlet to express themselves truly instead of like in in a fake way yeah and like especially now like like the the whole like the new thing is to be like a like a sad like soft e-boy or whatever (laughs) which i think these those men are way worse and say worse things than drake does they just they just don't actually say it you know like they for sure they hide it behind writing posts about i don't know painting their nails black and wearing a skirt (laughs) Where, (laughs) where drake will be like i was with this woman she wronged me I, she's this, she's that, I'm mad about it. And I, that's, that's way more real to me because that's what people do. Yeah, because, like, I mean, like, the, the skirt and, like, black nail, like, bisexual, like, male thing is, like, all very, like, true. And I'm sure that they are, like, really expressing themselves. But it's, like, there are men who don't feel the need to do that but still have, like, this uh depth of emotion and, like, well of feeling that, like, they're discouraged from putting out there. Yeah. Oh, I love this record. I just, he, his, his, he's just so, he's just, just like a, a genius in the way that he, like, like, makes his music and, like, expresses that. Because even when he's talking about, like, his, like, rise to fame and, like, expressing how becoming, like, famous so quickly and having to deal with, like, all of this, like, money and how to handle it and stuff, it's still, like, in, like, an emotional way. Like, I think a lot of rappers and stuff will just kind of like talk about like having like all of this like a s- extravagant stuff just to have it but then drake will like be like i I also do that but now but now what <laughs> like i i bought this fancy truck or i'm going on this like luxurious trip but like now like now what do i do with myself like now what am i like now what do i feel you know yeah, I mean, it's, like, Drake has, like, a really strong awareness of the void. Like, yeah. he, like, death is, like, constantly hanging over his, like, music and, like, some sort oh, of oblivion. It's, like, yeah, there's, like, a real, like, sense of fatality about him. And he is so unafraid to just go into it awkwardly and kind of, like, fail to 
address it perfectly as he's like uh kind of like fearing for the end of his life and his legacy like all the while like he's like doing like these uh sort of like tragic senses like i have money now but like what does it mean or it's like that because nothing will mean anything to him until like the girl he wants loves him yeah (laughs) yeah the truest feeling in the world Um, I, like I also love that this is kind of the the start of the Rihanna Drake legacy. Yes, I was I was just about to say that girl's probably still Rihanna. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, which is the title track, and like has her is like one of the most like exciting songs ever made. I think which has like this uh um a lot of like the forty produced like Drake music has like these like, kind of like nineties R and B samples, which are like sort of like derivative of the Kanye like a uh, chipmunk to like soul music yeah. and uh, this has like the best implementation ever when it goes into this breakdown that makes me like want to rip my hair out in ecstasy mm-hmm. and Rihanna I love their songs together and I love how they always have like a lot of their songs has like a fun little like back and forth because like even in like the music you can kind of like Drake like lets Rihanna kind of express her feelings towards him and and their songs together like I think it's oh my god what song is it where I don't think it's on take care I think it might have been on the song that they have together on views too good yeah too good where she's basically like yeah telling him that like he's like not a great boyfriend or he wasn't a great boyfriend he's like because he's too he's too focused as much as he wants to be in love and find love he's too focused on like himself in his own work and like I think that's like really like special that you can tell that is true and that probably is how their relationship turned out like that's like such a common thing in Drake's music about women is that he wants to be in love but he also has to he also needs to help out his crew and he needs to provide for his mom and he has to be the best and keep making music and he doesn't have time to like be in a relationship well, I mean, so, how postmodern to kind of, like, consider something like that and, like, put it on the record, you know? Like, yeah. Especially, like, in the context of hip-hop, where it's, like, you're constantly trying to, like, uh, create this uh, aggrandizing image of yourself. And then he, like, gives the mic over to Rihanna, who then just, like, makes fun of everything that he does for that whole song. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I know it's just, it's so real. And, like, and again, as much as people might want to say that in some of his lyrics, Jake seems like he's, like, I don't know he doesn't talk like very well about like women like there's, I don't think there's a lot of like rappers that would let their like ex get on a song and do that <laughs> and then be so like open and so willing to have that happen and then put it on the record you know yeah and like seeing their like kind of like music together just like uh, uh develop over time where it's like we start with uh take care here which is like this beautiful song of them like embracing each other and then like going through like work and then like hearing too good it's like that's kind of like self-awareness and like ability to create a narrative is like unparalleled by anyone working right now with the exception of Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. Take care. I just think is is such a gorgeous like statement of uh, opening your heart and putting emotions at the forefront of everything. And anyone who like tries to ignore it or tries to like write off Drake as like some like top 40, like radio fad just like is a, shut off to the reality that, like, he has, like, a bleeding, like, beautiful heart that he is constantly exposing. And I am forever so grateful that I have the ability, <laughs> I'm one of one of his fans that has the ability to see 
to see that because yeah, even like once if, you yeah go sorry go ahead <laughs> even if like some of his songs that he makes that are like radio hits they might not like an average i guess listener seem that emotional they all still are you know like he's always no matter what he's singing about it's always very like apparent that it's coming from the heart and these are his true like honest feelings like he doesn't ever put anything out just to like put it out there you know yeah and i mean even if he is lying and like none of this is real like he's he's such a good writer that it's like you you feel the same way like hearing some of his stuff if you're you know open to it that you do reading like john dunn and like metaphysical poets it's like they all have like the same like way of like writing about like their emotional reality and it just is i'm really thankful that in this climate that has like you know, a complete, like, sort of, like, asexual, like, unemotional, like, closed off, like, feeling towards emotion, and everything is, like, so packaged and produced. It's, like, we have someone as messy as, like, Drake, like, running around causing problems and and continuing to just do whatever he wants and and bleed out all over everybody. And it's gonna continue to be the number one song on the Billboard charts, number one most streamed on Spotify, because it's relatable, and that's what people want. Like, as as much as people can say that they don't like Drake or whatever, like, it doesn't change the fact that he's relatable to a point that that's, like, it's what people want to, like, listen to and, like, have on repeat. Oh, he's, like, relatable and so bearing about his emotion that it's, like, he he's, like, kind of, like, this, like, storm. Like, he's, like, this cultural, like, storm that, like, no one can get out of. And even the people who are, like, I don't like Drake. Like, whatever. It's, like... They just have shut themselves off to it. But the fact is, is that, like, Drake is, like, the emotional vessel for, like, pop culture right now. And that's why I'll never get mad that, like, Spotify or whatever, like, puts him into every playlist and, like, endlessly promotes him. Is because, like, we need somebody to be doing this, especially for straight guys. And thank God it's Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God it's Drake. (laughs) Thank God it's Drake. I think that's, like, that's, like, a really common thing, too, when I read, like, any kind of, like criticism about his lyrics is that he people will be like only drake can do this like only drake can say these lyrics and talk about his emotion this way like if another rapper somebody else did it it wouldn't have the same effect as when drake does it and i just think that's so amazing and And that's why he's one of the most uh famous people to walk the earth yeah and that's why he was the oh did you watch his uh his um, like when he won the, or like, I guess, I don't know if he won, but he was made, uh, like billboards, like artist of the decade. I haven't seen this. Oh, okay. You should, after this, you should go and watch the YouTube clip of them. Like, like before he goes up to get the award. Cause they're talking about like his achievements. Oh my, I cried. <laughs> I cried listening to it because like, he just is, he's just so amazing. He has only like only good things happen to him as of like I, when it comes to like again like charting and stuff and that's something he talks about too a lot in his songs is that like he that like if god's picking favorites clearly it's drake that he always has like god on his side and stuff because he just does so well and like that's like really that's talked about a bit in the billboard speech but it's also like kind of like talks just about how he worked so hard to get everything definitely watch it watch it it's like a minute long well, it's at the end of the day, it's God's plan. It, it is God's plan. <laughs> Bad things. 
It's a lot of bad things that they wish and 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 on me. Bad things. It's a lot of bad things that they wish and 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 on me. Yeah. Hey, hey. アートのために本当の真理と美しばる父はインターネットのブラックホールを超越する政治を滅ぼす哲学を破る残りの廃墟はツインピックスという感動されるテレビ番組しかないそして父は新しい世界に入る仲間にさらばというついに約束の時が来る次回さようならすべてのツインピックス